The reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Jesus calls his first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by fishermen, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to see you. One or two of you nodded as if you agree it's good to see me. I, I'm, I'm glad about that. <laughs> Taking my watch off at the beginning, I'm putting it up here, but the watch actually stopped in the earlier service, so prepare for a long one. <laughs> Let's pray that God will speak to us. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for your word, which we've just had read. And we thank you for your presence with us. And I pray that you would use the words I've prepared to open our eyes to your presence and open our hearts to your love. Come and have your way amongst us, we pray together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we start a new sermon series. And this sermon series is called When God Draws Close. When God Draws Close. What happens when God draws close? And in particular, I want to raise a question in this talk for us to consider, each of us individually, really. How close would you let God get to you? How close would you let God get to you? Because it's my conviction that he wants to draw close. We're told in the scriptures, Jesus says that he was seeking, the Father is seeking worshippers, people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And it seems to me that God reaches out to us time and time again. And the real question is, do you want him to draw you close to him? Now, I, I put it like that because not everyone thinks that to let God close is a good idea. I, I heard a true story about two people who met up by accident, they were queuing for a bus. They hadn't seen each other for a very, very long time. 
And so they were pleased to see one another. They were catching up with their news. And eventually, the conversation got round to their children. And one said to the other, so what, what's your son up to? What's George up to? You know, your oldest son. And there was a bit of a pause that went on a little bit too long. And uh, the other person replied, um, well, actually, he's a priest. And then there was another pause that went on a bit too long. And um, the other person replied, that's strange. He was always such a happy person. And, and that sort of gives a clue that for many people, there is a slight fear. Look, if I let God too close, life will take a downward turn. And then some people, they, they have completely no idea what would happen if you let God close. Like, uh, I've often heard, actually, people report back to me that when they've told their parents that they've become Christians, it's quite a common response that a parent will say something like this. Well, I don't mind, so long as you don't change. Well, well that is impossible. If, if God gets close, you're going to change. So I'm going to highlight using this story that I'm sure is familiar to the majority of us, the story of when Peter first uh, encounters Jesus Christ and when he is drawn close. And it's in Luke chapter 5, if you want to follow it. But if it's fresh in your memory, I'm sure you'll be able to connect what I'm saying to it. But the passage in Luke chapter 5 begins with these words. One day, just those words, one day. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake and the people were crowding around, and Peter was cleaning his nets, and the first thing that changes that I want to highlight is this. The moment you and I encounter God close, it's no longer just one day. But that can be how the day starts. You know, Peter had no idea at the end of that unproductive fishing trip. He, he, he had no idea what was about to happen. In fact, when I picture this scene, Here's how I picture it. I picture that Peter is in something of a bad mood. It's a bad hair day at the beginning of this reading. And the reason is because it's the morning after the night before. And the night before has been a disaster. He's a fisherman. And though it's not familiar to us, fishermen in those days, they habitually did their fishing at night. And he's done his all-nighter, and it's been totally unproductive. They've caught nothing. And so now he's got the grotty job of clearing up his nets and cleaning them, and that's what he's doing. And um, he, I'm sure the last thing in the world he ever thought would happen or wanted to happen was that he'd be given the company of a crowd. You know, he must have cleaned his nets loads of times but now as he's cleaning his nets probably harumphing to himself being out there all night caught nothing there's this nomadic teacher who doesn't look up to much if you were cruel you'd say an unemployed carpenter and he's teaching and as he's teaching more and more crowds are gathering around and there's still Peter on the side in the wings of the picture just cleaning his nets longing to get home and then he looks up and blow me down. What's this preacher doing? He's taken over Peter's boat. And uh, there's a word for that. It's called chutzpah. You know, just, he just commandeered his boat. For goodness sake. And the next thing he's saying to Peter, Peter, come on, get in the boat and put out a little from the shore. 
And I can imagine Peter thinking, really? But what do you do when you've got a whole crowd looking at you and you've been asked by this commanding preacher to do it? He just does it. Jesus goes on preaching. Apparently, actually, um, sound is reflected well on water. So there's probably a practical reason for this that Jesus asks this request, one of which is so that what he's been saying can be heard by a wider audience. Anyhow, be that as it may, there's Peter sitting behind Jesus, Jesus talking to the crowd, and then at the end, Peter's given this instruction, isn't he? And you know it well, and you know what's happening. He says, um, put out your nets for a catch. And everything that happens from that moment means it's just not an ordinary day, is it? And I just simply want to make the point that the day and every day you and I encounter God close up, it's never going to be ordinary. Actually, I'd just like to think that Peter in his old age would have modified the story, revised it a bit in his memory. He, he, He would have airbrushed out his reluctance and he'd have said to his grandchildren, come on, let me tell you about the time when I... I, no one else, I volunteered my boat. And I said to that teacher chap, Jesus, come on, let's go fishing. But it didn't work out like that, did it? It started with him grumpy. But any any day can change. Any day will change the moment that God draws close. It's never going to be an ordinary day. Now, here's a second thing that will change. Our idea of God our conception of God, our understanding of God, our appreciation of him, will change when he draws us close to him. And and the reason I, I say that is because scripture teaches us that. It teaches us that we might have formed ideas in our head of what God is like, but when you meet him and the more he reveals himself to you, it turns out he's not like you thought at all. There is no way of correctly guessing what God is like. Until he reveals himself, you guess wrong. I'm sure that, like me, you have from time to time sat rather amazed watching some program on on television that shows you some unlikely creatures of creation. And... um, I've often thought of it like this. If someone, if someone gave me a whole pile of paper and some drawing implements and said, here, Rupert, you can spend as long as you like designing as many animals as you like. Um, you've got as long as it takes. It, you're only limited by your imagination. Actually, my imagination would run out quite fast. And so would yours. But God's hasn't. <laughs> and, and God has created animals that you and I just find hard to think of until... They appear. Well, if our imagination runs out concerning animals, how much more does it run out concerning God? We need him to reveal himself. And here's what happens. Not only do we learn more about what God is like, as Peter does in this encounter, you learn more about what you're like when you encounter God. Now, there are a couple of things going on in this encounter that... I'm sure we need to take on board. This is such an obvious point, you might have overlooked it, but I want to make it that being close to God, being close to Jesus is not boring. 
it's not boring. Do you think Peter went home, said to his wife that night, such a dull day at the office? It's not possible he did it. It was such an extraordinary day. Before I became a Christian, I, I had this notion. So I'm not sure I ever said it to anyone. But I, I kind of thought to myself, you don't want to get too close to the God squad because there's no guessing how awful life could become if they influence your life. And another part of me sort of thought, and I know it's wrong now, that why would you want to read about Jesus? It's going to be so dull. Now, I'll take the blame for this myself, but my impression that Jesus would be dull, I have to choose to be honest anyway, was in part formed by the teachers that I'd heard talk about Jesus. They used to just kind of mumble into the microphone, mumble, 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 mumble. And after 15 minutes of mumble, they'd say, Amen. And I thought before I read John's gospel, actually, I thought, well, when Jesus talks, maybe he did that. You know, maybe he just went mumble, 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 Amen. By which time he'd be going. But, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. And I think Peter has a shock here. But the second shock is something that goes on in this dynamic exchange between him and Jesus. And we don't know exactly what it was, but it's very obvious there's a change of tone in their dialogue, isn't it? It starts with Peter reluctant, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. It's kind of Bolsh personified. And then we're told they catch this huge number of fish, but we're told something slightly more than that. If you look closely, you're told, as the boat begins to sink, that the whole thing's out of hand now. They've got so many fish. And what it does to Peter, it triggers a response in him. And it's like he gets on his knees, because we're told that. That's exactly what happens. He gets on his knees, and he says, depart from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. And what was going on there? I think it's like this. I think it was, he was so struck. You know, Jesus saw right into the heart of Peter. If you like, he saw through Peter. And Peter sees in Jesus too. He just recognizes this man is in a whole different order of things. You know, anyone who can command fish, catch fish like this, there's something in the beauty of this man, in the presence of this man, in the majesty of this man, that means the only right thing to do is to fall at his feet and say, I'm not fit for your company. It's difficult to find an illustration for this, but I think it could be a bit like this. If, if you look around this building, you can see parts of the building, like the pillars, which in part are painted white, and they, they look quite a reasonable white when you first see them. But if, if I came in here with a brilliant white sheet of A4 paper and held it against those pillars, they would suddenly look rather scuzzy. And, and all of us who have ever encountered God know this experience, that we might think our, our lives are going really quite well, quite acceptable, and you know, we're in top 50% of, of coos people that we know. And until you meet Jesus Christ, you suddenly think, hello, the only right response here is to make myself small, to admit my imperfections, to ask his forgiveness and start again. And, and it's important that we take on board that I don't think 
Jesus condemns Peter at all. It's not like he makes him feel small in a bad way. But it's like he's drawing Peter to his love and saying, come on, Peter, let's get our act together. I want to make that possible. And that's what happens to us, isn't it? When, when we would call it conviction of sin, when the Holy Spirit allows us to see what we're really like in God's sight. Will you let that happen? Will I let that happen? It's very challenging. And then there's a fourth thing that will change. Your priorities. Really, from this moment onwards, Peter's priorities completely change. You could say the following will change, meaning the person you're following will change. And it does. When you and I acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and King, it's as if we completely reschedule our lives now. And the most important thing that we do is we we want to... bring into our lives the things that will enable us to get closer and closer to God. Is that not right? And at the same time, you want to remove from your life all the things that you know would distance you from God. Perhaps a sort of little illustration will will help. So we're told at the beginning of this passage, actually, that people were crowding around the water's edge, listening to the voice of God. That's why they were crowding around. It's an interesting little phrase. Now, I love classical music. And so, um, many, many years ago, I was in London, living in London, and I remember it was midwinter, there was snow on the ground, and I woke up at some unearthly hour, I I think, you know, 4 o'clock, 4.30, something like that, and I was wide awake. And I thought, how can I capitalize on the fact that I'm horribly wide awake at 4.30 in the morning? And I thought, I know, at Covent Garden Opera House, they uh, have a, a small number of tickets available for sale, I don't know when the box office opens, 10 o'clock. And there was a fantastic opera star who was singing, I think it was Janet Baker, and I thought, I would love to hear her. So I got out of bed, and I I made my way to Covent Garden, and I queued up for endless hours, and it was mission accomplished. Uh, I heard her sing in, in the evening. It was terrific. Well, how much more if you knew the voice of God was available? How, how early would you get out of bed to hear God speak to you? And if you could identify some things that would make his voice clearer, wouldn't you want to bring them into your life? And if you could identify things that were making his voice hard to hear, wouldn't you want to eradicate them from your life? This whole priority of our lives changes. And it's not just silly things like when you get out of bed, is it? I mean, this is what we're about together. I can't believe you would be in church this morning or watching this online if it wasn't a part of you that is saying... God, I want you closer in my life. And this is what happens, isn't it? God manages bit by bit by bit to reprioritize. I I think it very quickly becomes clear in our diaries. Um, I mean, I'm not um, letting out any particular trade secrets, but before I knew Jesus, before I was a Christian, I had a certain routine over weekends, which pretty much was the whole weekend was on the golf course. And then suddenly that changed. I, I was no longer and motivated to spend Sunday morning there. Why? Because I wanted to be in the company of God's people. Why? Not because I had to be. No one was making me. But because I, I, this was how I was going to grow closer to God. 
And it wasn't just Sundays, you know, quite quickly, I heard about these things called small groups. And uh, to me at the beginning, it seems a very odd idea that Christians want to meet midweek and in small groups, but of course we do, because that's where we learn. It's where we can grow more Christ-like. It's where you make friends. It, it's always been the place where followers of Christ have grown up and matured. And frankly, had I missed out on joining a small group, I would have missed out. And you know this stuff. It's true, but it doesn't happen accidentally. It's what God grafts in us, isn't it? And so we become more the people he wants us to be. So if you let God, I'm warning you, if you let God into your life, your priorities will change. And I warn you the other way around as well. If you don't change your priorities, if a way you and I do life is no different than Joe Bloggs, the man in the street who doesn't know God, you are going to grow distant from God. There are no two ways about it. So Peter would discover, Peter would discover, well, God says to him, come follow me. Now, not everybody, not everybody's going to be called to dump their job and become a, a, a minister, a priest or something like that. But we are all going to be told following Christ is full time, whatever we're doing, all of us. And here's the last thing that happened, the last point of impact that I want us to take on board when God draws close in our life. The significance and the impact of your life will change. The significance and impact of your life will change. Do you think we'd still be talking about Simon Peter if he had disobeyed Jesus and just kept on with his fishing business? Of course we wouldn't. We're not talking about anyone who ran a fishing business in the time of Jesus. Now, had he done that, I'm sure he would have died financially richer. Uh, most likely, he would have lived a lot longer. His life would have been more comfortable. But his influence and the significance of his life would have been far less. And here's the most wonderful thing. It's as we hand over our lives to Jesus, each and every one of us, it's at that point that you discover what you've been created for and the significance of your life exponentially increases. I could share with you that people who have attempted, people who have most influenced my life for good and you wouldn't have heard of any of them. And probably they'd be incredibly surprised to know that they had played such a role in my life. What was it about them that made them so influential? They're the people who dragged me closer to God and keep me there. Well, sometimes, let me put it the other way around. Think of some people who are famous for various things. So like if I mention the name Roger Federer, you know what he's famous for. Or if I mention Einstein, or if I mention Mozart. But suppose, suppose that Roger Federer never connected with a tennis racket. Suppose that Mozart never heard any music and never got trained in how to write music. Suppose that no one taught Einstein to read, let alone anything about physics. We, we'd never see their significance. If, if you and I walk through life and we never connect with God's purposes, we will never know the significance that we could have had in God's economy. But if you let God draw close, 
he will most certainly reveal it to you. Now, as I wrap this talk up, I want to say to us that what's true for us individually, and all these points are true individually, is even more true for us when we come together as God's family, as a church. That if we will let God draw close as a community every time we come together, then no Sunday is going to be an ordinary Sunday. We'll never be writing in our diary just one Sunday, hey, it was plonk along Sunday. Because if we encounter God, it will be a special day. If we, as God's community, invite him to draw us close, our knowledge and appreciation of God will change. And our knowledge and appreciation of how we're doing life will also change. Who we're following will change. Our priorities will change. And probably most exciting of all, really, the significance of what we're up to will be recalibrated. Because if this church can become more and more and more a place where people find God, a place where people experience the love of God, not just know about him cerebrally, but actually experience him in their heart, encounter him. If God could be pleased to use this as a meeting place, a dwelling place, well then the significance of St. Michael's in God's economy will just shoot up. And I want to be part of that. And I hope and pray that you want to be part of that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you stepped into the life of Simon Peter. And we're so familiar with this story that maybe some of the surprise of it and the impact of it, it, it just passes us by, we take it as read. But we're stopping in our tracks to say, Lord, we acknowledge when you draw close to us, all kinds of things go on. And we're just touching the surface of it this morning. And right now, just in a moment of quiet, in a moment of silence, I would invite you, if you want to, to invite Jesus to come close to you. It's not something I can do for you or you can do for me, but each of us can make that quiet prayer request to him if it's what you want. I thank you, Lord, that your invitation to us is big. I thank you that you're recorded in scripture to say, if anyone's weary, let him come to me and he'll find rest for his soul. And we pray that you would hear the cry of our heart and draw us close. And where we too discover that we're broken and less than perfect, just like Peter did, we pray for your forgiveness and that you'd remake us, only this time, remake us to be more like you. Come and mend us and set us on our way in partnership with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.